0: I'm Jen Bonden.
1: Hi, I'm Lillian Bustle.
0: And we are here today with another episode of Dreading the Boards.
2: Ooh. Ooh.
0: What's it feel like to dread the boards, Lillian?
1: Uh it uh, it feels like when when you're in high school and you're like picking out your class ring and you you got you, you signed up for the ring that had the drama tragedy, like the comedy tragedy masks. But then what you actually get is like field hockey sticks on your ring by accident. Oh
0: no, it definitely feels like forever and ever waiting for the cast list to go up.
1: Oh god, mm-hmm. you just transported me. Oh no, all I can smell is cork board. <laughs> and desperation
0: friends welcome dreading the boards is a podcast not just for actors for all people from the biz of show and or for anyone who
1: likes schadenfreude absolutely frankly.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely because this is a, a podcast about everything that can and will go wrong when you commit your life to entertainment <laughs>
1: Jazz hands.
0: Jazz hands. And with us today is the absolutely wonderful and lovely Trisha Alexandro. Yay.
2: Yay. Thank you. I'm so happy to be
0: here. So happy to have you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wax rhapsodic on you for a moment. Um, Trish is a native New Yorker who loves using her art to engender compassion and communication can confirm. She writes and performs monologues embodying the unsung heroes of NYC. Think humans of New York. Um, The women of all ethnicities with whom she grew up and interacted with in Queens. Trisha is from one of my favorite families that I've never actually known, but whom I feel like I know very deeply. (laughs) Trish also loves to throw down on the dance floor. She's an experienced swing dancer and a life coach and a personal trainer to boot. She delights in helping people access and express the greatest version of themselves. Can confirm, 14 out of 10. Love, Trisha oh, Alexandra. Yay. Welcome! Thank you
2: so much. Yes!
0: Yay! So very, very excited to have you. And you gave us a couple of, li- you, you dangled a couple <laughs> carrots for us of the stories you want to tell, and I cannot <laughs> wait for you to get into it. But, um... I guess what I want to know right out of the gate is that you're from a very loud, boisterous family of Greek puppies.
2: <laughs> Actually, not we're not Greek. No. Oh, no, no. I lied we're, to like, Lillian. Like 5,000 ethnicities, but none of them include Greek.
0: <laughs> no. None of them are
2: Greek? Oh, <laughs> yeah. shit, that's hilarious. We are, we are very loud, <laughs> and that's true. There are five kids in my family. One of my brothers is a comedian. One of my brothers is a poet. Um, Everybody is an incredible writer, to tell you the truth. Um, my parents were both teachers. My mom was a sex ed and religion teacher. My dad was a third grade teacher. So there were a lot of opinions around the dining room table. Oh my God, I and love And kind of it. like you had to become a really good storyteller if you wanted to get some airtime, you know, because everybody wanted some <laughs> mom and dad's attention. So it was like... You better figure out how to tell a really compelling story if you want some attention. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that is That's fabulous.
2: Where do you where do you fall in the lineup? I'm number of four. Five kids. So the boys came first, three boys, and then two girls. And my younger sister is actually, I mean, I hope she doesn't kill me for saying this, quite bossy. So I, even though I'm the fourth <laughs> out of five, I mean, just incredibly <laughs> opinionated um, and doesn't wait for you to ask for her opinion. <laughs> and so you know
0: i mean I shall we all
2: completely? take a little bit of that medicine um, yeah <laughs> but I, so i often felt i think like the youngest child even though i wasn't um, i would look to her like amy what do i do <laughs> you know what's what should i think about this and she um, always had a ready opinion <laughs> so so yeah i definitely nice. feel I on the that. younger end of things and uh, i felt sort of shepherded around in my in my life like Somebody was always there to help, but also to give a very strong opinion, if I didn't have one. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: So uh, something that I picked up from what when you were going through what your folks did, um, we just glossed right over sex ed and religion
2: teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting mix. Um, We grew up, you know, Catholic, and my mom was and still is, for the most part, a pretty ardent Catholic, but also a very strong feminist and a very progressive, you know, left-leaning person, and so um, she had a lot of fights to pick with, you know, with the Catholic Church, and, um, and I would ask her, like, why do you keep coming back, you know, if if, there, if you have so many issues with the fact that our ch- church in particular did not allow women on the altar as priests, um, were, you know, they were, didn't allow altar girls, only altar boys, you know, these were things that my mom just was livid about. Um, she would also just stand us up and be like, let's go, right in the middle of mass, if the priest were, was saying anything about divorce is a sin, being gay is a sin, any of that, she was like, nope, not here for it, and just would march us out like, yes. and sort of stare down the priest That's in the midst awesome. of his homily and then just walk. Yeah. Wow. So she was... Are they looking to adopt a sixth <laughs> child? They are, actually. I mean, they're so... They were both school yes. teachers. There were just so many kids in our home at all times. My dad brought home five students every Friday from the school that he taught in in Brooklyn. And we would have dinner, like 10 kids around the table, Fridays. Um, they were just, you know, they. my mom said, I thought of our house as a church. I wanted everyone to feel welcome. I wanted everyone to feel like it was a safe space and that they could be comforted and joyful in this space. And yeah, oh, so it was... I
0: we're stealing you for all the fucks as well <laughs> just just throwing that one out there we are absolutely stealing you for for uh our 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 older oh, podcast baby sister, oh, older sister, big sister. sister podcast. Older, yeah.
1: yeah big sister podcast well so l- let me ask you this then did your mother have any uh influence in causing your church to do the musical of greece or was that just
2: no, that was a coincidence, coincidence. Yes. Um, my mother did not choose any of the shows or she was not involved in that at all, except to buy up big blocks of tickets and invite my whole extended family to come see the shows because all five of us oh, I were love that. in the plays together, the five kids in my family. Uh, naturally. Oh, really uh, <laughs> please, please tell
1: us your Grease story oh, because please. it sounds absolutely...
2: Oh, yeah, so, um, <laughs> I guess I was maybe 14 at the time, and we did the play Grease at my church theater company. And, you know, I always wanted to be the female lead, but I think male leads are probably harder to come by while well, they were in my church anyway. And so my brothers always got the male leads. Mm-hmm. And not to say that they're not incredibly talented, but it was like there wasn't sure. a whole lot of competition for them. So Ted, my brother, the second brother who's now a comedian, um, was cast as Danny, the lead and I wanted to be Sandy but you know, that's gross, brother and sister so I was cast as the understudy and then who I can't remember the the actress's name but she wasn't able to go on for a Sunday matinee and so my brother and I played Danny and Sandy in that fake car he had to like tackle me at the drive-in and pretend to kiss me and we were just at the bottom of the car like, ew, don't touch me (laughs) trisha on, on,
1: the lord's the lord's day. Day. Exactly. on
0: the lord's day and like for a community oh, who exactly. knew what they were watching so oh, i'm just kind of imagining every, they were like, exactly. everyone know my family yes. can't we just cancel the show today
2: i can't even like believe that everyone allowed this to happen i was 14 i was the innocent in this um yeah All Right. <laughs> Is he oh, ever going to do a set <laughs> That's about a good this? question. I don't even th- think I've brought it up to him in so many years because I'm still mortified. <laughs> it's like, that didn't happen, right? <laughs> it's so mortifying. Oh, my God. You've got to do that for two hours? I'm uh, oh. like, hot pants around my brother, like, you better shape up. <laughs> oh, my God. Grease is already exactly. on state, no matter what.
0: And, like. <laughs> oh, my God amazing so yeah. good
1: when so, so good. you you knew that you wanted to be a you were you're talking about like having to be outgoing but you specifically knew that you wanted to be on stage yeah, pretty yeah, young then, huh?
2: Ted was the first to perform in our church theater company and he was in anything goes and in one of like those tight sailor outfits and I think I was just struck I was 11 at the time and he was 15 I was struck at oh my gosh, the whole neighborhood is here to see this play. And here's Ted and he's the center of attention. And, um, he's singing and dancing, which I'd love to do. So I just, everything about it seemed absolutely fantastic, you know, just absolutely (laughs) joyful. So the next year, all five of us, I must not have been the only one who looked at that and thought, I want to do that. All five of us joined up the (laughs) next year for God's bell. And, um, And then after that, it was just, you know, until I was, I think, 19 years old, I was in every play at the church every year.
1: That's so great. It sounds like your church really had it together. I've mentioned to Jen before that, like, um, I've had uh, my most of my exposure to musical theater as a younger person was Church is doing terrible productions of Godspell. <laughs> and oh, that's no, it's- like, it's hard to wrap your head around as a kid anyway, because it's so abstract and there's not really a f- storyline. And if someone's like, well, that's Jesus. And this is all kind of parables. You're like, OK. But um, I really like wasn't gung ho about theater until I saw a really good production of Into the Woods when I was like in seventh grade. Yeah. And I was like- oh, OK. Like, I still wanted attention. I still wanted to do theater, but I wasn't so sold on the fact that theater was a good thing to watch.
0: (laughs) That's the show that made you fall in love with theater? It was Into the Woods. I love love that. Mine was a chorus line. I saw a chorus line when I was 13, and I was like, this thing. Where did you see your production?
1: That'll do it.
0: I had a regional... well, no, it wasn't a regional theater company. It was just a really, really beautiful theater mm-hmm. across the river in Pennsylvania called the State Theater, and it's gorgeous and haunted. And so touring productions would go through there. And so whatever version of A Chorus Line was on tour stopped there, and my mom had season tickets to see whatever she wanted. So she took me um, to go see A Chorus Line, and I was oh. obsessed I bought the oh. cast album and I listened to it
2: all oh, of the time.
0: I love that. <laughs> all the
2: time. Yeah, I feel like my <laughs> musical theater knowledge is, is pretty limited. It's like the 10 shows that we did are the ones that I know. <laughs> you know, I still have never seen sure. The Horror still have never seen <laughs> Into the Woods. So, yeah. Yes, I know. I need to rectify that.
0: So good. Into the Woods is really good. Uh, have I ever seen it live, though? I don't think I oh. have, but
1: I've... we, uh. <laughs> Yeah. So don't watch, if I may, don't watch the movie. But there's an archival recording that was made right around, I think, like, it was It was released in a box set with, like, the Sweeney Todd Broadway mm-hmm. and, like, one other thing. <gasps> but with singing. with Joanna, yeah, with Aww. Joanna Gleason and Chip Zian and that whole original cast, it is... Oh, magical. It's so good. As and is Bernadette that Peters. recorded
0: production of <laughs> okay. Sweeney Todd with Angela yeah, yeah. Lansbury oh, and George Hearn. Oh, oh okay. so good. They're both so good. Um, and I think, actually, for you, for both of you and anyone listening, I think it might be like digital theater or something. There is, There are now services that use archival footage that's like really well captured the cinematography of it is uh it it is a pleasant experience. It's not just one, you know, static camera at like the back of the house.
1: And you can someone's w- dead. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And then someone tall sits in front of you and then it's just the back of their head for the whole show. No experience in that one. Um, it's so good. but yeah you can watch like the The nugget of this moment, this exact cast, oh, this I exact production. You
2: two are the ones to talk to. I'm so, glad I, yeah, I'm glad.
0: I... Apparently, I'm not, but like you, I'm the one who like I can't go to Maria's crisis and keep up with okay. anybody. <laughs> I I can't. Like for every for every ten friends we have who are super gung ho about musical theater and know the scores of everything. I, I'm not the person Uh who keeps up at all, so.
1: I can, I can hold my own, but I'm nowhere near, I'm nowhere near, like, I I don't know the older stuff at all. And for those listening who don't know what Marie's Crisis is, it is a historical New York City landmark that is a piano bar that only does show tunes. Every once in a while, if you tip like 50 bucks, you can get someone to play a random like Billy Joel song. But like,
0: (laughs) do you think we (laughs) could have Franca as a guest? Oh yes!
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh God, I want to hear all her. So we have a friend who's a pianist there, and her nightmare stories. She's seen so many celebrities come in, and you know, a lot of them are like falling down drunk. I don't know if she's gonna want to tell all of, all, spill all that dirt. But well,
0: right, right. She can be disturbed. But it really, but she's is. been doing it for a long time.
1: Yeah. And she does all the other theater stuff too, but it's really the only kind of place that you would want to go to if you liked to sing along to show tunes. Because otherwise, it is a fucking nightmare.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> like, Absolutely.
1: Like if you if that is not your happy place, it is <laughs> not your happy place, and that's okay.
0: So then, Trish, what really held you wrapped as an artist, and and made you feel like, oh my god, this is the kind like I want to do this work. Um. Because, of course, there's like the joy of singing mm-hmm. and dancing, and like, I want to do this thing. But, like, what art did you mm-hmm. start to see that made you feel like, oh, the fire within
2: me is going to consume <laughs> That's so a great good. question. I think it was uh, Stephen Adley Gierges' plays, <laughs> were one of the things um, Our Lady of 121st Street, Jesus Off the A Train, Motherfucker with a Hat. Um, that's when I started seeing people that I grew up with on stage. You know, those characters were embodying mm-hmm. the people that I knew. And loved. And I thought, oh, I wasn't seeing that anywhere else, you know. Um, so that sort of lit a fire under me. And I just became an ardent fan of Stephen Girgis's. And Philip Seymour Hoffman was directing all of his plays. So I would go to see their shows oh, in person God. and just be absolutely mesmerized. And then there would always be a Q&A afterwards with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Stephen Girgis, And it was just like, this is where I want to be. You know, this is it. Um, mm. And then I also started taking class at the Barrow Group Theater, which is on, it was on 36th, between 8th and 9th, they're gonna be moving, I think just around the corner. But um, Seth Barish and Lee Brock are a married couple who are the co-artistic directors and they teach class there. And it was just so welcoming and so, it was a gymnasium, you know? It was this place where I felt completely safe to explore any character I wanted to play, tell any story, and also start to write, because um, one of the exercises was, you know, bring in a monologue, and I said to Seth, I went to drama books, and I'm looking through all these monologues, and nothing's resonating with me, so he said, so write one, and I was not writing at that time, you know, and I I thought, that's terrifying, because not only do I have to try to write this character, but now I have to present it in front of my hero, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and my classmates, and, and these people that I really respect, so... I wrote the first monologue, and I just remember like performing it in class, and this like single tear comes down Seth's face, like while he's watching, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, it was just this sort of Annie Sullivan, like Helen Keller moment, where I was just like, "Oh man, this!" And he said, "Keep writing," and I started bringing in one monologue after another, and then he directed my first solo show, which was a compilation of those monologues, and they were it was similar to me to Stephen Girgis's characters in that it was like inner city women who I wasn't necessarily seeing on stage, but who I thought, these women are so powerful and so strong, and they're not wielding a gun and shooting up the world or anything, but they, their stories deserve to be told, and they're like holding up the world, in my opinion. So um, I, that really lit a fire under my ass. When I started to feel like, oh, there's a place for me to to use my voice and to tell these stories and to figure out what my point of view is on things and not just always adopt somebody else's not mm-hmm. just say how do you see the world? Okay, let me embody mm-hmm. that. But also to say um I have a lived experience that's, you know, particular to me and there's some um, you know, some compassion that I can help create in the world by embodying this person and telling this story hopefully in a way that resonates with people or that shed some light on something that people weren't aware of you know yeah
0: mm. yeah is there somewhere? Art. <laughs> uh, art is there somewhere that this lives online in the ether like have you i i feel like i've known you forever and i've seen i've seen uh, so many of the like nuggets of things that you've done but like have you thought about adapting this for you know, camera? You I did
2: a couple of them on camera, just like my friend Ava was, like, futzing around and was like, let me just, you know, record you. And I don't know if it was the particular way in which we did it or if, you know, I don't know if it just needed more thought and stuff, but... To me, it was like, oh, after doing it live for so long and having that sort of interaction and having that feel of the space, it felt so very different and sort of stale to me to do it like sitting in a mm. chair in Ava's apartment. Mm. So, um, you know, it it's possible that it could have a life that way. It's just I haven't really put that much thought into it, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, I love that. I love that the Barrow Group was so, was such amniotic fluid has been such amniotic fluid for you as an artist, especially when I like I came from crazy classes in the early and mid aughts. I came from total batshittery. shittery and i was like i don't ever know how to trust mm. a studio again and everything that you said about the Barrow group always rung very true for me and i found an artist home uh online um a shout out to um the bgb mm. studio in la and i love them mm. so so much um but i'm wondering like do you have any really hairy, crazy experiences from previous training that sort of uh, sets up your oh, gratitude and
2: appreciation by contrast? <laughs> yeah, that's a good insight on your part. Yes. Um, when I graduated from college, I moved to LA, and I um, I started at this school that was Meisner School, and it was my first sort of formal acting training because I was a creative writing major in in college. And so, um, I did theater, but it was not my major. It wasn't like, um, I was in, you know, acting classes all the time. So this was my first sort of formal theater training. And it seemed really serious and really intense. And like, you're going to dedicate yourself to this. And this is your life. Um, and there were always like quotes. Uh Yes, exactly. The craft. The craft. craft. Um, and I had two different teachers. There was one teacher on Tuesdays who I just loved, like I had a crush on him, but he was also just this kind of like rugged, like always oh, quoting Stanislavski and then Martin Luther King Jr. and then you know just <laughs> yeah wow yeah really totally. all over the map. And I was like, I'm here for it. I'm here for your ripped jeans and quotes. Um, and he, you know, <laughs> yes. he would call on me. You know, he would be like, "Who has some feedback?" And I, you know, I just felt really impassioned in that class. So I'd raise my hand and he'd say, yes, Trisha, yes. Um, so I felt so seen and supported. And when I did, you know, the, the Meisner exercises there, the like, you have a blue shirt, you have a blue shirt. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, I mean, looking at it now I'm just like, oh yes. man, I really wish I had a video of all that time. But, um, but it was, what it was doing for me was just making me feel like oh, I'm really an actor, and I feel like having that identity solidified for you is sort of key, right? Because it feels silly in the beginning to say I'm an actor or I want to be an actor. But then on Thursdays, there was this teacher who was like this grizzled Vietnam vet chain smoker who's like, you know, five foot two with gray hair and this gravelly voice, and he was like, you gotta want it. And for whatever reason, like in the beginning he liked me and then he just turned on me. And I think that it was, you know, one of those where they want to break you down and to build you up kind of things. So yeah, so he just came after me. I remember one day in class that he was like, "You." he started giving me feedback in the middle of the, Exercise and he just kept cutting me off, you know. It's like he would have us go for a little bit and then he'd cut us off, and it just felt like a power move, you know, just like let us do the exercise. Um, and so at this one moment, I just like I couldn't look at him anymore because I was like, I'm so annoyed with this man. So he's like, Look at me when I'm talking to you, and I was like, Woo! I just felt the blood rush to my head, and I like. I looked at him, and then I just, like, looked away again, and he was like, you are a prima donna, and I was like, oh, and what happens to me when I get really angry is I blush, like, ten shades of purple, and then I bawl, and so, and it was like, I did not want to give him that power, but then I just started bawling, Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. I left the -hmm. room, I just walked out of class, and I walked home, and... You know so I was like waiting for Guffman he sent students to my apartment to be like he wants you to come back <laughs> yes wow Yes. we love you Trisha back we back. want you to live oh my yeah. god totally weird and wacky and I was like no absolutely not and then two days later you don't understand yes. what she means. I was back in class like two days later um But, you know, I left that studio in a really crappy way, and he called me crazy afterwards. And, um, you know, once I had moved back to New York, he, like, had some opinions about me that he shared um, with the class. But it was just like, yeah. So I was definitely scarred from that situation for a bit and feeling like, oh, you know, the thing that used to make me feel the most free and the most seen And the most joyful now feels really fraught, like it's a minefield and you never know what you're going to get. You could get the, you know, the Mm. motorcycle guy with the ripped jeans who you love, or you could get the Vietnam vet guy who's going to try to um, tear you down. So when I, yeah, when I found Seth and Lee, I was just really like this fawn, like walking in, like, is it okay around here? Mm. And they were just so gentle with me, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: that's well. We've had. I mean, we've. I feel like we've all been. Um, I don't know, groomed to expect mm. to be abused. Absolutely. Like even from, even from teachers who mm. I really adored. Some when I think back on some of the outbursts that they would have or the inappropriate shit that they would say to try to get a reaction from somebody. Like people who I did trust for the most part, like kicking things and screaming, and I'm like, what, what, yeah. what? <laughs> It's a good thing you're not, like, teaching driver's ed. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. It's like it wouldn't be inappropriate Absolutely. in any other context. Why is it okay in this world? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Acting and cooking. Because Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <That's great.
0: laughs> not wrong. Um, um,
1: I, I would like to circle back because you mentioned a production of Anything Goes, but that's not the one that I want to oh hear gosh. about.
0: <laughs> or maybe, or is it? No, or it's, maybe not. it's not, it's not, because no, that was the church were... one, and this is,
1: yeah, the one yeah. you
2: mentioned is uh, high school.
1: You had brought up a, a bit oh, of a this, mishap.
2: Um, the fake cocaine. <laughs> is that the one? No. Oh, it's different? No. <laughs> oh,
1: nope.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but start with those, fake please. cocaine.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was... When you fell off the stage oh. into the middle aisle. Got that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so to choose from. Um, okay, yes. So in... So good. High school. I went to St. Francis Prep in Queens. Um, We were doing Anything Goes, and there was some choreography with my arms overhead. And who were you playing? Girl. And yeah, and I had a long dress on that was too long. But I thought, well, if I wear heels, the Mm -hmm. hem will be okay. And I'm towards the edge of the stage, and I'm waving my arms overhead, and my foot gets caught in the hem of my dress, Mm -hmm. and I go from the stage right into the center aisle of the audience just face plant with my arms over my head I didn't even like catch my fall I just like face planted my friend Jason said all I saw was just like your hair and your arms yeah (laughs) your hair was just like surrounding your head (laughs) and he's like and then you popped up and there's like tears streaming down your face and you continued the choreography (laughs) and I went right back to singing yes Yes. you're a
1: trooper
2: <laughs> truly but i just <laughs> oh i didn't want God. to come back out for act two i like i couldn't stop crying i was mortified you know it feels like the entire school just saw you fall on your face and so mr right. hustle who was my history teacher as well as the drama moderator came backstage and he Love was like that. a young guy who was very irreverent and i loved him and he was like trish Nobody saw it. Don't worry. You know, just like, and I was like, "What do you mean nobody saw oh, it?" And was so like, sweet. "No, it happened. It was over. It was. It was so not a big deal." He was like, "Come on, second act <laughs> is even better than the first act. Like, you want to get out there. You don't want to miss this." And I was like, "Okay, okay." So I got out there and I cried for a little bit during the second act. It was like as soon as I stepped out on stage, I started started crying again. (laughs) But then then I was able to stop. But I do feel like it was a good lesson. And just like the show must go on. You just get out there and you do the thing. And I did have plenty of people who were like, Trish, oh my God, that was so painful to watch, you know? And it's, you know, mortifying at that age. but... Um, but I do feel like as an actor, Absolutely. you just become so resilient, you know?
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Very bouncy. <laughs> it's
2: like, well, whatever. It's all, it's all happened to me at this point. So yeah. Oh, oh my God. Fake okay. cocaine though. Fake cocaine. That wasn't yes. that long ago. I mean, yes. that was probably like three or four years ago. Um, this was a brand new production of a new play and, um, A sort of friend of a friend wrote the play and asked me to be in it and so it was a very bare bones like low budget you know in a black box theater on the lower east side kind of a play and um you're wearing your own clothes for costume kind of a thing you know it's um the bathrooms probably haven't been cleaned in the theater since you know 1952 kind of a thing um Mm -hmm. but uh (laughs) I come out and the the storyline is that the main guy is a cocaine addict and he is sort of spiraling down into like deeper and deeper addiction and I'm his girlfriend and I'm first sort of like not aware of how drastic his addiction is and so we kind of do cocaine but you know in a oh yeah let's just do a snort a couple lines and watch a movie kind of a way. Um, And so, you know, I'm, first of all, like the squarest person in the world. So the idea of like snorting something on stage, I was like, oh my God, oh my (laughs) God, is it going to be okay? You know, I'm like, um, so what the director decided and the director was the wife of the writer. So there was already some like sort of iffy sort of boundaries happening and, you know, dynamics <laughs> sure. where yes. Um, yes. you're like, oh, mommy and daddy are fighting like, or like, you know, just kind of <laughs> awkward <laughs> rehearsal situations. And so the director decided that we would use baking soda as uh, cocaine and that we would have these little cut off straws. And my friend Zoe later said like, oh, Yeah, like you put tape on the end of the, the, you know, that's what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to put scotch tape on the end of the straw so that you don't, like even if you get close to it, you'll never be able to snort it because there's scotch tape on the bottom, but we didn't have that. We just had a a little straw and we would snort next to the baking soda, but this one show I snorted the baking soda and it was this instant oh like fire up in my nostril oh. where like I thought my head was like a five alarm fire oh. and my nose just started oh. running like a faucet. So we're oh in this tiny God. tiny theater where the first row is you know like a stone's throw from me no. and we're facing out towards this the audience and my nose is just running on oh And so I'm wiping it and wiping it, and I just feel so gross. And we finally get to the end of the scene, and I run off. I have a quick (laughs) costume change, and I have to come back on for the next scene. So I blow my nose a million times, and I think it's done running. I come back out. And as soon as we start the next scene, my nose starts running again, and there's nothing resembling a tissue on stage. <laughs> no. And I feel like it's so gross, like I have to oh. keep wiping like this. God. So even though the blocking is for me to stay on the couch while my boyfriend goes off stage into the quote-unquote bathroom, like that, I, I just get up. Like as soon as he gets off stage, we we continue the scene, and he's talking to me from the bathroom, but I'm just rooting around the stage looking for anything to blow my nose in. And I find this dish towel behind (laughs) the sofa. And I'm like, score. So I keep saying my lines, and the conversation is this awkward conversation (laughs) in the play. It's meant to be awkward, where I'm kind of saying, like, when am I going to move in? Like, when are we taking our relationship to the next level? And I'm blowing my nose in his dish towel while I'm saying this, so the whole audience just starts, like, erupting in laughter. I'm like, crouch! I thought, like, that I I couldn't be seen. I'm like, I'm trying to do it surreptitiously, but everybody is just dying, like, do not let this chick move into your house. She just blew her nose into your uh. dish towel. <laughs> <laughs> and I also didn't know that this. Also, she clearly can't do she does coke. Okay. I also right? didn't know that this was a prop, the dish towel, and that later my co-star oh, would no. be wrapping his hand in it. So he didn't know. You know, he comes oh, back no. on stage. I'm, I'm done, like, blowing my nose whatever. And, like, a couple scenes later, he's wrapping his hand in it. So, you know. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. And the whole audience is like. "Mm." So the show ended and I was just like,
2: oh, it's one of those funny theater stories where everything was fine. Like it was no big deal, you know. And I get this email from the director the next day. Like, I am horrified at what I saw on that stage, how I've never seen anything so unprofessional. So la, la, la. And I was like, oh, my God. And um, she was like, to be so audacious as to blow your nose in a prop that Nate would then be, like, wrapping his hand in. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, first of all, that's the first I'm hearing of that. And second of all, like, I was really just trying to problem solve, Mm -hmm. you know, like... Didn't she know that your prop had well, malfunction? I guess she didn't, and so that was what I said in my response. Like I had to delete a couple of responses because at first I was like, "Rah," you know. I um, yeah, sure. I oh like, my god, what an unkind! I just thing thought, to well, maybe she doesn't actor. have all the information. So I said, um, you know, what actually happened is I sniffed baking soda, and my nose was burning <laughs> and would not stop running. Um, and also, I would just <laughs> oh hope my that you god. would. You know, give me the benefit of the doubt. Like, you know me a little bit better Ask than that to okay. think that I would just, yeah. like, right? oh, I just have to randomly blow my nose, so I'm going to do it here on stage in a dish towel. Like, hey, Trish, I think part of your brain might have gotten
0: in lost in the prop. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely <laughs> cringy. And let me tell you what. Lillian and I oh met... Working for lush and constantly getting bath bomb dust embedded in our oh, brains. Yeah. Oh. So we know oh. Oh. the pain oh, yeah. of unexpected baking soda getting zooted oh. Oh. right up into that makes your
2: scene. So so okay. I'm so happy to know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember one time I, I opened a box and it was like the middle of winter and I just immediately oh. got a nosebleed. No. <laughs> Like I opened the box and it just went like, oh. boosh, and I was like, "Fuck!" Oh,
2: oh. I have no idea. Maybe and then never I had to go. Give me a lush oh. nose, please. I never
1: then I had that. to go to the nasty shared bathroom that oh. we. Uh, do Do you Trish? Do you remember the the lush that used to be in Harold yeah, Square under by Daffy's. where the Daffys? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there was no actual bathroom in our store. We had to go mm. use the dock, the loading oh, dock no. bathroom. Oh no! Oh god! There were there were so oh, many rats. No. Oh, it was. It was not the kind of place you want to be bleeding in, that's all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or ever touch your face. Although,
1: plenty of other people oh, had been there before. Here, so. Oh my <laughs> God.
0: <laughs> that's amazing and brilliant. Mm. Um, well, I have a feeling that production is probably one of the strangest things that people have been... <laughs> taken to if you were to ask them like what's the weirdest play you've ever seen there was one where this girl couldn't
2: stop (laughs) blowing her nose
0: and i was honestly worried for her so what is one of the strangest Hmm. things um strange in either way either like a strange train wreck or strange and magnificent um that you have been to or experienced as an audience audience member. member that's
2: a great question
0: I mean, it could simply be being the sister of a stand-up and having to spend those early years
2: at open mics upon open mics. Well, yeah, and he talks about his (laughs) masturbation and all that, so that was definitely cringe-shaking. Oh, no! Oh, no. Um, Yeah, but I'm trying to think of, like, a strange theater. Or maybe maybe if you
1: have, like, an audition disaster that sticks out in your head, something like that.
2: I mean, that, yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. One of the first um, open calls that I went to was for rent. And I thought that I looked like the original Mimi. So I thought, well, that's working in my favor. I waited online for six hours outside (gasps) of the Apollo Theater in the freezing cold. Like It was so cold. Um, oh, God. It's mm-hmm. always so cold. And it was just, yeah, exactly. And the, the line is like wrapped around the block. And everyone is, you know, singing and stretching and whatever. And by the time you get in there, you're like best friends with all the people <laughs> around you. And you've all shared stories and all this stuff. And um, quite a few people came by and said to me, oh, my gosh, you look just like Mimi. And I, so I was going in there with like this confidence of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I get closer to the door. Of the room where I'm auditioning and um, I'm starting to get a little psyched out you know because it's starting to dawn on me that the people around me have a little bit more um, are a little more skilled, perhaps. You know, like people that have been dancing since the time they were in the womb. You know, they're, they're like stretching their leg up over their head, and they're they're doing like vocal warm ups and all these things that I'm just like, oh god, you know. <laughs> and so I'm starting to get a little razzled, and then I can hear through the door that people are just like belting their brains out. You know, these incredible voices, and I'm like, holy shit. And I I didn't come prepared with a belty song, and so. I changed my song at the last minute to Natural Woman. And I'm thinking I'm going to sound oh. like Aretha Franklin when I get in there. And I get to the high note and my note, my voice just cracks. Oh. And it's... First of all, you know, I thought I was going to be walking into... A huge theater with maybe five people behind a desk or something like what you see in the movies, you know? And it was like right. this tiny closet with no windows. Mm-hmm. And it was a, <laughs> a guy that looked like Alex P. Keaton. He looked like he was 12 years old and had like a tie on. And I was like, this is it? Like, this is the guy that's deciding my fate, you know? Oh. And there's no musical accompaniment, it's just a cappella. Oh, and no. My voice. Cracks. I'm in there for like 30 seconds after you know waiting for six hours, and he said, "Okay, thank you," and that was it. And I walk out, and I think worse than all of that was that the people who had been my friends leading up to this—you know, we we're all making friends—they could hear me through the door. Mm, so right, right, you know. So we had all been like, somebody would come out of the door, and we'd be like, "Great job, oh, you no. nailed it," you know. Oh. So I like I okay. come out of the door, and everyone's like. Good job. You know, but they're kind of hanging their oh, heads and they can't quite look me in the God. eye, and I can't quite look anybody else in the eye. And it was just like the most deflated balloon uh, feeling, you know, leaving uh, there. And, the, and, and that
1: always feels bad. But when you've been waiting for this for six hours,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: that is yeah. the yeah. thing right. where you're like, finally here. Blah, blah, yeah. bang. <laughs> and then, yes. and you can like, yeah, such insult when that when that used to happen to me, I used to feel it felt to me like someone was was peeing ice water. <laughs> <laughs> and I say peeing and not pouring because like it felt very like directed and violent, but like like yes. but like at <laughs> my like abdomen, the inside I mean, I and the outside s- of my body so would much. get ice oh. cold oh. right away. <laughs> Yes. And,
0: oh yeah, I mean and
1: I would just it. be like, oh, but also, you know, also that no. feeling of someone pissing on you and telling you it's raining. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I think that's a beautiful that's description. And I think that, you know, I had so, so many of those moments where it was just this realization of like, oh, when you go from a sort of a big fish in a small pond to the reality of the New York market. Of acting, it's like, oh, okay, Uh all right, I have to adjust. (laughs) I have to adjust my expectations. Mm -hmm. I have to work on my skill level. Um, Yeah, that there's just, there are, there's an incredible amount of talented people out there. And then there's also just the mindset, you know, which I also hadn't developed yet. I didn't have a thick skin for rejection or for things going wrong. Um, And that took a really long time to develop as well. So, yeah, all of those things, as cringeworthy as they are, I feel like they're all sort of chinks in the armor. Yeah. Of, you know. Yeah. I'm earnestly fascinated that I have the kind
0: of resilience that I have. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's, it's almost ridiculous, but, you know, uh, thank God.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, my mom always says to me, you were such a scared, quiet little child. She's like, I'm just amazed at the way that you just keep putting yourself out there. And I think that's. Mm-hmm. what you do when you have, I mean, not to make it sound all lofty, but when there's a calling or something that you just know, this Definitely. is when I feel most alive. This is when I feel most expressed and most courageous. So I will go through the really uncomfortable mm-hmm. parts <laughs> to get there mm-hmm. because I know what it feels like to fly. And once you know what it feels like, yes. you can't not do mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, God, I'm not fucking <laughs> with that,
0: uh, <laughs> Trishy. Oh you are you are recurring on speaking of like people who know how to fly and just follow their passion. Mm-hmm. The magnificent, wonderful man of many hats, Ed Burns, mm-hmm. has been making a show called Bridge and Tunnel, and you are recurring on season three. What has that experience been like for oh, you? Thank you,
2: Lovey. It's actually season two. Um, oh, yeah, JK, I know no. <laughs> JK, <laughs> um, but. Like a dream come true. I you know, I followed Ed Burns back in the 90s when he made the film uh, Brothers McMullen. He wrote it and directed mm. it and starred in it. And my sister and I actually found where his father lived. We knew that he uh, filmed it at his dad's house. And my sister's like such a sleuth. This is before the internet. We've rewatched the movie. We saw the, the number of the address on the house in one of the shots. Wow we saw at the end of the film that the name of his production company was marlboro road gang so we're like great it's got to be 146 marlboro road and then we looked in the white pages and found his dad and drove to the house and i put my headshot in his dad's mail slot with a note and this was 20 years ago oh my god and so oh my god i'm obsessed with this story yeah (laughs) So when I got the audition, I was like, all right, don't put too much on this. But holy crap, wouldn't this be amazing? And so I didn't tell him the first day on set because I didn't want to weird him out. But (laughs) the second day... Um, I'm so. I proud told of you. him, yes. and he just started laughing. He's like, "Oh my god!" He's like, "Are you kidding?" And he's like, "It uh... worked." Here you are. Um, <laughs> if, if if
0: you're gonna do that with anyone, do it with Ed Burns. <laughs> yes. Like he gets he it. He totally
2: gets it. Yeah, and he had a story of his own where he had like you know dropped off his movie on some producer's doorstep in Manhattan years before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I felt this instant simpatico with him. Um, he's just such a cool down to earth guy. I was, you know, still nervous on set because it was my first recurring role and I, I just wanted to do my best and whatever, but he just put me right mm-hmm. at ease. And, um, I felt like everyone was so joyful to be there. You know, I think especially like COVID times, everyone's just like, I'm so excited mm-hmm. to be working. Um, so to tell a story that yes. takes place in Valley Stream, New York, which is right close to where I grew up just felt like oh this is this is beautiful ah. this is magical yeah god Yay. I love that what so what network is it on it's
0: on
1: epics oh right right right.
0: on epics yes. beautiful yeah. I bet there's probably also if like if you if y'all listeners are cord cutters I'm sure there would probably be a way to get epics like on its own app on however you stream or as like an ad added channel on sure. Amazon yes, Prime. Yes. Like, that's how I get Showtime and stuff. Yes. Amazing. And when is this, and when's the season premiering? Do January you know?
2: or February. I'm not sure which. Beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Oh. So, yay. I'm so happy <laughs> no, for you. That's you. so good. I
0: love those full circle hustle oh, stories. And, oh, yes. gosh, you should definitely write a monologue about hmm. that. Hmm. Yeah. For sure. I just love that
2: so much. Thank you, Jen.
0: Oh, you are so welcome. Um, Trisha, if people want to keep up with you other than um, watching you on Epics, where can they
2: find you and what would you like to push today? Sure. On Instagram, I'm Trisha Alexandro and it's T-R-I-C-I-A-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-O. And then on Facebook, I'm the same, Trish Alexandro. And guys, if you follow
0: Trish on socials, there is no one. Honestly, I live for her content. Mm. She has the most incredibly authentic, beautiful, heartful New York experiences, and when she writes about them, they make me believe in oh, humanity again.
2: Chen, oh, <laughs> oh, thank you.
0: It, it's really true. It's really, really true. Like every time you have a chance meet, or like, I guess, I guess Paco played your husband on the show, right? Yes. So, uh, or like running into Paco and and finding out that you and your friend are both doing this beautiful project together, yes. and you get uh, yes. like. Your expression of gratitude and universal uh, cohesion and just, like, epic love is always so beautifully elocuted. Mm. It lights me up. Mm. It makes me so happy. Um, You're definitely just just signing up for happiness when you um when you seek out trisha and you find her oh online
2: oh my goodness it's so beautiful to hear thank you mm-hmm. thank you you Chen. are so
1: welcome mm-hmm. oh such a you joy you
2: for hanging out with us today mm-hmm. what a joy
0: oh, and your stories are yeah. so good <laughs> oh thanks oh my gosh this was so funny. if any members of your family all of them preferably want to come and do an episode with us oh, please you wouldn't be disappointed <laughs> oh so. my
2: god they're so funny <laughs> yeah
0: so good. Um, also accepting adoption uh, <laughs> papers for the Alexander. Ones. I will let Pat Alexandra know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing.
1: So thanks, thanks so much, Fuck uh, Buddies. Oh, no, wait, wrong, wrong people. Uh, everybody could be a fuck
0: <laughs> Everybody could be a fuck buddy. Yes.
1: So, friends, if uh, if you want to find us, we are on all the socials at dreading the boards. And um, send us an email with your crazy theater stories uh you can write as much or as little as you would like and we will read them on on the air sure on the pod yeah on the air <laughs> on the air <laughs> on the um, radio waves but we know that you all are sitting on some gold mines so we want to hear from you
0: yes we do thank you all so much i am jen Plunton
1: i'm lillian Bessel.
0: And this has been Trisha Alexandro, and we are hoping that you break all your legs. Till next time. But just
1: your legs. Definitely
0: don't (laughs) snort a bunch of baking soda. No. Don't do that.